Hi and welcome to Real Clear Fetish Talks Real Clear Play, an Instagram live slash podcast slash kink sober chat where I have a guest in um, every week or every other week. Um, and this week we're going to Berlin. Hello. Hello. Hi, Ralph. Hi, how are you? I'm good. A little bit nervous about this. This is my very first Instagram live. <laughs> don't, don't be nervous. It's, it's quite painless. Okay, good. How are you? <laughs> I'm very good. I'm very good. I literally just logged on off from work. So I've literally moved from my desk over to here. So yeah, um, still settling in from doing uh, a whole day's work. Um, but let's just jump into it and I'll do the standard questions I've already sent to you. Uh, what do you prefer I call you names, pronouns and title? So name, I usually use my name, which is Hagen. Uh, online, I'm Fellball, uh, which is furball in German. Um, and my pronouns, most usually he, but I'm trying to introduce pig as a pronoun in certain um, uh, scenarios. Fantastic, fantastic. Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, um, yeah, so I'm 45 years old. I'm living in Berlin. Um, originally from southern Germany, Heidelberg. Some, it's a very touristy, pretty little city. Boring, nice for a long weekend. Um, yeah, um, I moved to Berlin 11 years ago um, and I went through quite some roller coasters here first. Like Berlin swallowed me and chewed me for quite some years and two rehabs. <laughs> and um, in the past, Five years more or less I started to arrive and to settle down in Berlin also to settle down as a, as a, as a human being more or less. Um, I'm five years two months clean and sober um, from Chemsex and um, yeah I guess that's a good start. Huh? That's a good start yes. Uh, completely sober clear-headed or social drinker? Full-on sober. Full-on sober. Fantastic. And what is clear play to you and why is it important? Um, okay, I, I'm, I'm only going to, to answer this from my own perspective. Um, of course. I, well, it's easy. Like, I'm a recovering addict, so uh, I do not do drugs. I cannot do drugs because it would very, very fast become very, very ugly. Uh, I guess some sort of psychosis would probably set in after two hours. Um, um, yeah, I've, I've seen people like do poppers who are in recovery. Um, I never liked poppers, so I would not do that. Uh, yeah, um, I, for a long time, exclusively played with people who were not intoxicated or sober. I have experimented having sex or playing with, uh, well, non-sober people, with people who have mm -hmm. uh, uh, used drugs. It really depends on the person, the substance and the circumstances and the, the dose of theirs. Um, the worse the drug and the higher the dose, the, least, the less the connection. I'm a very big connection person. Um, partially, I'm also like, I'm finding myself to be demisexual, like, so I need really like an emotional connection, especially when I'm like the dom or the top. Um, yeah, um, yeah, it's about the connection and of course about safety, like uh, uh, painkillers uh, for like uh, intense uh, practices, uh, I think is super stupid. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, you say connection and you mentioned the word demisexual. If anyone doesn't fully understand what that is, try Googling it. But demisexual is more that needs to be a bit more of a connection between the person you're having fun with than just random anonymous sex. You all, you definitely have to be on first name basis. Yeah, yeah. Well, it depends. Like when I'm oh, bottoming, depends, yeah. yeah, it depends. When I'm bottoming, I can be a total slut. But when I'm topping, I don't know, I, I really need a connection. Otherwise, just nothing goes. No. 
So you you're you say you're five five years and two months um, clear headed and sober. What um, what led up to you becoming sober? What what you say you came to Berlin and it swallowed you? Can you can we explore that a little bit? Okay, so I am. I would have to start in my youth, actually. Like I, I grew up completely sober because. Um, I grew up with a, a chronic disease, so I, I caught a hepatitis B at birth, um, which I grew up with, and my mom kept me away from all substances. She said, like, no alcohol, no coffee, no, not even, like, fried food. Oh, well, it sounds a bit very intense, but... So, yeah, um, I had my first drink and my first bong the same night, which was, like, at the first uh, uh, post-school party when I was 19, um, and I totally went at it. <laughs> and then I was a stoner for 20 years. Um, I was a high-functional stoner. I studied, I worked, I drove my car, I did a, a, a diploma in graphics design, just like full-on with red eyes. Um, yeah, until 2010, when like my family crumbled apart because my mom died, who kept that thing together, that traumatic bond family. Um, and then I decided to move to Berlin. Um, and I sort of like entered a very abusive work relationship there. And um, in connection with like the loss and everything, my self-worth went down a lot, I think. So um, I started looking out for harder drugs and very soon I found meth. Um, and as many people who start meth say, like, I took, I took a couple of puffs from the pipe and then I had the best sex of my life. Um, mm. The next day I had cravings. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, of course I decided, no, I'm gonna only do it in big, big uh, uh, intervals. And of course the intervals got shorter and shorter and then the next year, like nine months later, I was... I had lost my job and my health. So I uh, had been seroconverted and had lost my job in a nervous breakdown, which was the consequence of a countdown. Um, yeah, and um, then I also almost destroyed my relationship. Then I went into my first rehab. Then the relationship ended while I was in rehab. And then I rela relapsed the day after rehab. And I uh, used for four more years Three more years, yeah, from 2014 to 17. Um, I lost a tooth in that time. Uh, the reminder. Um, I lost another job. I. Uh, how did we rewind? How did you lose the tooth? <laughs> so well, I I had a root canal, and of course, like a proper addict. I went using directly after the operation. <laughs> oh dear! Oh dear! And and uh, a year later, I was eating a proper German bread with a good crust, and uh, the tooth just crumbled into pieces. Just crumbled. Yeah, but well, yeah. addict, you know. I'm missing one here, but that was because of using for three years and not going to the dentist for three years, and then it was just it was just rotten. It had to come out. So yeah. I, I suffered, it's funny enough, around the same spot. So, yeah. Yeah, we're like sisters. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then in, th in that period of these three years between the two rehabs, I really tried to have like two lives in one, like to be a total, total user, but also to have a life with a job, with an apartment, with friends, which totally didn't work out. I really burned out. And um, then I had uh, I had this thing that I always went for, mm, let's call them nasty daddies, very Skeletor-like old guy, older guys on meth, often dealers. So I was at the source, and um, there was a situation where this guy called me. No, actually, I went there just to get my jacket because I hadn't forgotten that in a psychotic episode when I had run away and he, he, I wanted to get the jacket and then he only more or less snipped with his finger and I was high for four days. 
um, and we had sex. And uh, two weeks later, after the come down, I realized, fuck, that was sexual abuse, at least exploitation. Mm. And I saw that I did not have any control over over my life anymore, more or less, because this episode also ended in me running out of this guy's apartment naked through Berlin Prenzlauer Berg. Not naked, but without pants <sighs> during the day. You know, mm. wow, what is happening here in life, TV? <laughs> and um, that was when I decided, fuck, I really, this is my rock bottom. I can't do it alone. So I went for a second rehab. Didn't want to go into um, into stationary inpatient rehab anymore because there is little worse than being in a house for months with uh, uh, newcomers, <laughs> like in prison with with a ton of newcomers. So yeah. I tried outpatient, um, but I relapsed after visit after a visit with my family. And then I saw like no, I can't because then the intervals got shorter and shorter and shorter and. Around December 2017, I was almost at the point where I was using daily, like right before that. And uh, then I got my call that I could go into rehab, which saved my life. My friends actually say they were worried that I wouldn't make it into rehab. I didn't see that at all, you know. Yeah. No, we, we, we're very, like when you're in, in um, full-blown addiction, you don't see those things. I now see pictures of myself from that period where I was still using and stuff like that. I, I, I wouldn't say I was extremely thin, but I was definitely thinner than I am now. Um, so it, it, you, you definitely see a difference yeah. in, in how you look and how you behave and, and, and so on. So uh, you got into rehab and uh, now you're five years uh, and two months sober. So yeah. what what's what's happened in those five years that's like um you you now doing kink as well um yeah. okay um so the important thing that sort of like functioned after this in the secondary have was to mm -hmm. to detangle uh, sex and drugs because yeah. especially with meth or chemsex in general like the libido gets full-on entangled with the uh, well, with the drug use, with the triggers, all the drug triggers, um, and being horny means being triggered, and being triggered means being horny. Um, my first rehab therapist didn't know anything about chemsex because it was more or less a new concept. It was in 2014. I was one of the first meth addicts in the clinic back then, although it was already big in Berlin. Um, yeah, and the second, the second clinic actually was specialized. It was a clinic close to Cologne, um, with uh, queer therapy groups, like they had a focus, like one of their focuses was actually queer men with chemsex addiction, that's why I went there. Um, I had a queer group, I had a group session only looking at uh, sex on drugs, and, uh, and my, my, my therapist actually was the, she's really, she's really great, Hallo Frau Iking, um, she, um, she was specialized in this, more or less. Um, and I had to promise her to not follow using fantasies when I get horny. And also I had to promise her to not have sex while other guys in the clinic like fucked around in the clinic and had their little uh, soap opera going on. Um, I really stayed away from all of that and tried to, to, to fix myself. Um, yeah, I prolonged, when, when the six, so in Germany you have six months of rehab, if you're on yeah. hard drugs, and um, uh, after when the six months, I'm not, like, I'm not quite sure how long they are here in, in the UK, I think they're maybe like three months at, at the most, so yeah, six yeah. months is great. Yeah, three months is for cannabis users in Germany, and alcoholics, yeah. <laughs> the hard drugs get more. Um, yeah, I prolonged the rehab for four more months, so technically I was in a clinic for 10 months, um, and after that, I gave up my apartment, which was too close to that dealer daddy. I moved into a um, halfway house. That's how you say mm -hmm. it, right? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I, and I got a sponsor, like in a 12-step program. Um, luckily, at that point, right when I got out of the clinic, um, 
uh, CMA Berlin had founded their second meeting. So it's, it's very slowly growing, but lovely uh, fellowship. Um, uh, that's Crystal McAnonymous for those who don't, those who don't know. Um, and that's where we yeah. know each other from. So yeah, exactly. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Actually, I think we know each other from Facebook. And then probably I, I went to a meeting last time I was in Berlin. This is before COVID. Um, yeah. God, it feels like donkeys years ago. Um, but yeah, I went to a meeting. It's quite entertaining because it was in German. Uh, so I was just like, I was just like, uh, like words like crystal meth, uh, psychosis. This is like, oh yeah, I, I know what he's talking about. I don't need <laughs> to understand what he's talking about. I know what he's talking exactly. about. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's the nice thing. You just go somewhere and you have a fellowship. Uh, yeah, I did work the 12 steps and um, I... Uh, so in the, in the program, they recommend to put sexuality on the shelf for the first year and I did that. I not, did not fully do it because I started an affair with a guy in my 10th, 11th month. My sponsor rolled his eyes, of course. <laughs> and it was a total disaster. I learned later that the guy was like using a ton of coke while uh, I totally did not see this. I was so naive that I totally did not understand that him ghosting meant him being high, not him having a problem with me, you know? Yeah. Um, well, I, I more or less did everything I was told to do. Um, I also changed my career. I used to be a graphics designer. Um, well, I still love to do graphics design, um, but I decided to, to, to give back and to start, uh, start studying social work. By the way, today I got the grade for my bachelor thesis back. Okay. And what, what was the grade then? A minus minus. Do you say, do you say it like that in English? Uh, it's 1.7. I don't know what that would be. Well, yeah, that is a really good grade. Well done, congratulations. Yeah, I'm quite happy. I'm quite happy. Yeah. So, um, what, what, what's the, what's the, where, where do you want, what, what career are you going to go into uh, with this? So the thing is, this I'm 45 years old, so or I was 42 years old when I started those studies, and I did not have the funds to do like a full-time study. So I had to find something that allows me to finance myself while studying. And I found a dual studies program at the state of Berlin for youth services. I should have known better. <laughs> so I had for three and a half years now, I had like two days of studies per week and three days of, uh, of work in the youth services, like with crazy families and all of that. And yeah. after two years, like my, my childhood trauma got full on triggered and broke open. So I had to stop. And then I worked in a youth club. Um, yeah, my studies are now over and I'm going to start in the Kinder- und Jugendintegrations, uh, no, Partizipationsbüro, which is the Children and Youth Participational Office. That's, okay. uh, that's the guys who implement the political participation of young people in the political process. Quite fancy, quite nice. It's a part-time job, so I'm really looking forward to having a little more time for myself than in the past three years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but in the future, I probably also would like to work uh, with adults. Um, maybe also sex ed. Um, there is this really great institution. It's called Schwulenberatung, which is the gay counseling place. Yeah. Um, they do all the, the, the out, not all, but they do like counseling, they do rehab, they do housing, they, um, they do health, health counseling and all of that. They're, they're really great. Uh, they helped me a lot in my recovery journey. And I could totally imagine like uh, applying at theirs at some point. Someone just made a comment. Oh my God, you found a guest today with the eyes as lovely as yours. <laughs> so he's, he's, he's liking both our eyes. But okay, we have equally blue eyes. So yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, so you, you now have this great grade and, and, and a new career. Um, if people look at your profile, they can also see you do a lot of art. 
um, uh, and, and like you say, your background is graphic design and so on. Where, where do you get some of the inspiration from your, for your art? Because I know, I know Instagram is not so happy with your art sometimes. And you have <laughs> lost your profile like I have a couple of times in the past. I, I only lost it once, like recently, like a month ago, shortly after Christmas, which was very frustrating. <laughs> the thing is this, um, I always loved creative stuff. And uh, when I started, when I started studying graphics design, for somehow, for some reason, I got a block. Um, because from that moment on, I had to make money off of my creativity, and that made it very crampy. I don't know, I'm not sure if I can say this, but like super difficult for me to to just be creative and to to get satisfaction from it. Mm. Um, and. Uh, so I had already stopped working as a freelancer when I moved to Berlin. I'd become like an assistant producer in a concert art studio. So I only did the logistics around it. Um, and um, yeah, in the second rehab then, uh, well, I also was very creative in the, of course, in the art therapy and in the clay therapy and all of that, in the garden therapy, in the rehab. And in the second rehab, there was this art therapist who also was an ex-graphics designer. And she was like, I'm expecting high things from you. And I was like, please go away. <laughs> Don't put pressure on me. Exactly. So I spent the first months actually with like white paint, um, like deleting old canvases from like former patients. So I only, yeah, did negative art, so to say. So is that like and taking a canvas and painting it white again? Is that what exactly. you mean? Oh, okay, yes, cool. that's what I did. That's what I did. And, um, well, that can be art, I guess. <laughs> well, wait, wait, now, now, now we're getting there. So, and then I had, so I had this art, this art block, you know, and at the same time, um, my therapist like told me that I should stay away from all druggy fantasies. So I could not use my main fantasy for masturbation. Mm. Um, so I also had like a sexual blockage in a way. And there was something else that also was super annoying. And all of this together really was like a super difficult situation. I'm, I'm struggling for words right now because this is always being communicated in German. Um, this, this really got to me um, until one day I woke up from a nap, super angry and super horny at the same time. And I had these white canvases in my, ho in my hotel, in my rehab room, in my clinic room. And I, well, can I say everything or is it going to get like... You, you yeah, can okay. say where you could say things and so on. Yes, you can. Okay, so, so I, I got up super angry, super horny, and I grabbed one of those canvases and I, uh, well, put black paint on my dick and I just fucked the canvas and I screamed, fuck art, because I was so fucking angry at art, you know? Well, and then I came and then it actually looked really nice. And that's how I started doing the fuck art. So that's also my old... Um, Instagram name. Mm, yeah. um, the, the, the concept actually is in my, it's pinned in my Instagram uh, thingy, uh, you can see it. Mm. Yeah. And from then on, actually Instagram used to be like just my little play field of doing tiny creative things. I don't know, like um, I myself um, have quite an imposter syndrome, so I uh, I don't really see it as art. I see it as like Spielereien, um, little playthings. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, people tell me that doing these things is actually activism, and I really like when people say that. It's it's I I it I find your art quite provocative, like it, like it, it it is right in your face kind of thing. Um, and it's it's kind of the sense you get from your profile and the pictures you post of yourself and some of the videos and so on. It, 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 I, I guess with Instagram's rules and regulations, you teeter a little bit on the on the what is allowed on Instagram, which I kind of think is very entertaining. And and, and I, I'm also <laughs> like, oh shit, he's gonna get blocked in a moment, isn't he? Yeah, true. Like the, if you zoom in in the pictures, especially at the at the borders uh, of the pictures, sometimes you see things that um, are not there. <laughs> um, yeah, I I really enjoy this this game with fire. I guess it's probably this breaking rules things. I I grew up, you know, I grew up very repressive, like with a 
very old-fashioned Catholic mother and a Christian conservative dad who was very homophobic. So, uh, yeah, being like an atheist queer kid in a village like that always was somehow like edgy without wanting to be it. Everything you say is sort of a pro or you do is a sort of a provocation. And um, well, nowadays I'm not scared anymore, you know, so I just do it. You, you always, like, my impression of you is you come off very authentic. You, you very much just yourself and, and no one else. And, and it's, it's, it's quite nice to see because a lot of people, including me, I, I get a little bit, like, uh, nervous about what other people might think and stuff like that. And you get in your head about it. But um, I'm sure you do that on occasion as well. But it, it doesn't come off that way when, when look at it in Instagram and your videos. So... I used to be very insecure and very timid and very much overthinker. Um, I still am. So like just one example, last, Friday, last Saturday was the very first time in a long time and especially in my recovery that I went alone to New Action Bar for cruising. So you see, I, I'm not the big uh, hero person. Like I still like super tiptoe in, in, in my sober mm -hmm. life. The thing is this, by the year 2021, well, COVID in general, but then 21, when I had had to stop working at the youth services um, because of trauma coming up, was really difficult. I was like on sick leave for trauma stuff and shingles for three months. And oh, uh, awful. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then I slipped into winter depression around Christmas. Yeah. And it was so severe that finally I told myself, no, I'm not going to do this without medication. So I got um, Wellbutrin from my doctor, mm -hmm. which is an amphetamine. Um, it's, gee, I've, I've, I think I mentioned on the previous episode, I, ha I got an ADHD diagnosis last year. And when I got the diagnosis, I very much agreed with the person who was giving me the diagnosis. I should not go on ADHD medication because I'm a crystal meth addict. Um, so yeah, it, it is like, when it comes to, uh, I'm very much a believer if, in if you uh, have depression or anxiety and so on, uh, you shouldn't suffer in silence if medication can help you. Yes. Because one of the things that helped me in early recovery, like you mentioned earlier, were sex drive and um, uh, the urge to use is so intertwined actually going on sertraline way way back took my sex drive away which gave me space to kind of disconnect them it oh, was wow. I, I came off sertraline because i got so frustrated i had no sex drive but at the start it was a godsend because it it was just the right time for me to have that yeah yeah yeah, yeah so so um I had a lot of anxiety. Like I, I always had anxiety. I never realized that this, that this dangerous world is not a dangerous world out of there. It's just my nervous system like going on overdrive. Mm. It yeah. took me until I was 44, 43, until I got like, wow, no, wait, 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 nothing is happening. This is just me. Fuck, I should cut down on coffee. It was not enough. Um, yeah, and when I got the, the medication, not only the depression went away, also the anxiety and the overthinking was reduced immensely. So, and my sex drive came back after the depression part. And, um, and then I uh, decided, well, YOLO, and I opened the piggy Twitter. <laughs> and, uh, well, yeah, and did other things. Like, a little later, I opened the Just For Fans account because I was like, no, I just want to do these things. I wanted to do these things always, you know, but I always was too anxious and too shy. Come on, I'm 45. When should I do it? When I'm like 69. Um, so yeah, there I am. And it's fun. So, so how you mentioned like you started engaging with, I think in your blurb, in your little text, we wrote to me, you kind of said like 2021 was kind of where you started re-engaging with your piggy side or the sex side, and you just mentioned just for fans. How did you find navigating that? Because I know from myself, it took a long time to disconnect and feel comfortable doing, and I'm still learning and I'm five years in. Um, how you found navigating that? And also, 
um, putting yourself out there online as well. Okay, that's also a long story. So when I went into the second rehab, I put all my kink stuff into a huge suitcase, which I then put into the basement of a friend. And when I got out of rehab, it stayed there. Um, and at some point, it went into the basement of the mid, uh, the halfway house. So I did not touch the stuff. It took me mm -hmm. two years in reco into recovery to open it. And then I also gave away a lot of stuff, like toys and like accessories. And I also threw away a lot of stuff because all many things were just like old and filthy because like, duh. Um, I also took a long time to go back into online dating, like Romeo, which is big here. Um, I... For anyone not from Europe, uh, what he's referring to is Planet Romeo, which is like the version of Grinder and Scruff over here uh, in the UK, or if you go to the States, they probably have a whole third thing we don't know about. But yeah, I used yeah. to be on Planet Romeo myself when I lived in yeah. Europe. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> I really waited like one and a half years to make a profile. And then I had for a half a year a profile without a picture. So people would not recognize me. I even paid for the profile from the beginning to block all the meth users before they could mm -hmm. see me. And also I felt so uncomfortable with how I felt and my body and sexiness was not really possible because like everything was awkward. I felt like, like many people say that, like, like in puberty when the body is changing. Um, and it was changing from a high person's body to a sober, timid person's body, you know? Or at least the feeling of my body. So it took me half a year to have a photo that I more or less was uh, fine with. Um, and then I had the first sex dates, vanilla. Uh, and it was super awkward and super shameful. And I, of course, ghosted the people afterwards. And I canceled many, many dates right before because I got anxiety. Mm. And um, and it took me a while to 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 allow myself to also cancel to not to not force myself to perform into something that I you know <laughs> not uh, yeah. force myself into performing something that I don't feel good with or ready for. Um, yeah, I think, in, I, in, I think I think a lot of us we have a hard time saying no either when we get there or saying no beforehand and just like, do you know what? I'm not feeling this. Um, but because you're in it and you're with someone, it becomes super awkward to say no. So the amount of sex I've had with guys where I was just not feeling it. Now, I, I'm not saying I'm 100% confident and, and, and be able to say no, but in generally, I am pretty good at going, do you know what? This is not working. Um, yeah. Let's just say what it is. Yeah, um, I'm still working on that. I'm getting better because Same. just just recently I had a situation at like a little um, no, sex party. Wait, it's three. Is it a sex party? Well, there was a, I, I had met a daddy and he had invited another guy. And the guy would have, would have passed <laughs> if he had not had cold sweats. And he was on meth. So... Ah. It took me a while to understand, wait, this guy is really high because his dick didn't get hard, full hard. He he's mm. had cold sweat on him. Even his nipples were cold. Like, oh, jeez. Yeah. And, and he was very blah, 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 all over the place, you know. Yeah. It took me half an hour. And at some point I was like, actually, no, I don't want to kiss this guy again. His mouth is really sticky. And then I turned around and told both guys, hey, guys, this doesn't work out for me. Just like there is no chemistry. Well, too much chemistry. But, too, um, too much chemistry. The chemistry set was out, yes. And, and then the guy just was, okay, then I go home <laughs> and left. And, then, and, I, and I felt a little bit ashamed, you know, rejecting someone dangerous mm -hmm. in the past. Um, but Daddy then, who's also a social worker, who's fantastic, um, was like, no, you did great. You just took care of yourself. And I was like, yes, I did. Um, but I still have to tell myself that this is good. And it still comes with shame or fear of retaliation in a way. Um, yeah, so um, I think it took me until... Ah, yeah, 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 I, I remember. So I was very vanilla and very timid. I did, I did have sex and I just started liking it. And enjoying it and just started to repeat the dates with one person 
then COVID came ah. and stopped everything. Then Ruined everything. The... Yeah, right. Which was actually good because I really had to take it slow. And um, then came the first COVID summer. I started fucking around a little more and then came the next lockdown. Um, I had planned a um, one week quiet meditation retreat for autumn that year, 2020. And it got, because it was a hippie thing, it got canceled like the day before. Yeah. So I was super fucked upset. Um, and, in, and, and to do, and I had taken, I had taken vacation, you know, for that. And in order to, to use this somehow usefully, I, ha I bought myself a, boo, a, boo, a, boo, a book about um, Carl Jungian uh, shadow work. Yeah. Um, and I did this. It was like reading, writing, um, meditation, and watching movies, which was a bit interesting. Um, but after a couple of days, it actually, something happened. Because... Um, I was, I was wanking and while I did it, I suddenly had a memory from when I was 14, when I got shamed by my classmates about being gay during a school trip. I had totally forgotten this. And the mm. moment that this memory was gone, my sex drive went through the roof. So there was this shame blockage thing and my butt was unlocked. So, in a way, yeah. so I, and it was lockdown. So I started really buying a lot of sex toys and I started playing with those. Um, and that was actually the way I got back to King. Then I got the, 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 the uh, this big suitcase out of the basement with the rest stuff that was in there, like the little leather, some boots, a gas mask, the fun the essentials. stuff. Essentials, you know? the essentials. Exactly, yes. exactly. And uh, yeah, and slowly, slowly, the toys got bigger and bigger. Um, you know, they when there is no poppers, <laughs> when there is no poppers there, you know, like it has all had to happen with like like relaxation and breath, you know. Um, and it took me. I was patient with myself. It took me about a year until I was at a point where I thought, well, I think I can take a fist now. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, in the end it took until February last year so it's about a year that I got fisted yeah. for the first time which was amazing it's still a bit difficult because like it's an acquired taste you know especially when you're sober but um, yeah and um, so that's how I got like into the kinky activities and at the same time Remember, I got the antidepressant at that at around the same time, so these things like yeah. co coincided. I met someone. I met a very special person. You okay? Well, so yeah, I met someone. Mm who was a kingster and sexually very active. And um, so I started diving into kink, into fetishes. I bought an entire leather wardrobe in the past year. I got rubber stuff. I had experimental kinky BDSM sex with that person. Um, it did work out. Yeah, why not TV? <clears throat> no, 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 yeah, no. It's, 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 do you know what? It, it's, I think it's okay to, I, I think we're very good at dismissing feelings and, and emotions. And there's no, there's no bad feelings or bad reactions that your reaction oh, is quite honest. And um, yeah. hopefully you feel comfortable enough to be on camera whilst reacting this way. Yeah, we're not together anymore. It, it, it was, uh, on some levels, it was really amazing, but mm, it was not sustainable, like, emotionally on, on other levels. So, um, yeah, so it had to end. I'm really thankful for that person because he, um, he really was a catalyst 
for me to 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 make it to start again because um i was um i was quite scared of the kink scene because well dog rocks and everything you know yeah. and um and he was a safe companion to 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 endeavor in there there is also another thing like um you've been to fetish social right here in berlin in berlin in the apartment yeah yeah exactly in this apartment yes, yes. i i i have been yes it was it's quite nice Yeah so my roommate uh founded Berlin Fetish Social and I started working at the bar there like two and a half years ago and yeah. being the barkeep which I'm really happy that I don't have a problem like that I'm not so attracted that I'm not at all attracted to alcohol uh so I uh he asked me if I would want to earn a little buck and so I said yes and so I've been working at the bar for Fetish Social for two and a half years which also was another door opener but a slow one you know just being there <laughs> having a job having something to do and um yeah and it's, I, I it's also like, a different it, it's also a different way to interact with people you talk to people but you're behind the bar so it's in in a way it's slightly more safe in a way um in the, in that environment where you can behind the bar there's a shield if if you could say exactly it's this it's this huge block of metal and wood that just keeps the people from me but they approach me they want something and i give them what they want yeah and uh, you thank you for the big hug there oh <laughs> yeah i think it's also a little question um mm -hmm. hey sir hey pig what is the kink uh kink pig uh what what is a kink pig hasn't experienced yet but would like to So um Banjo is asking is there a kink you want to try you haven't tried yet as a pig mm -hmm. <laughs> Um so I'm at a point where I um start to start the cruising adventure like going to sex venues I have not been to lab for example like since I since I'm sober it always used Same. to be like total like drug fest for me um so so doing this is something like going out and and combining like dancing and fucking for example i just did that for the first time like alone you know i did it with the with my ex and it was it was amazing um but doing it alone is the next level in a way and like yeah. connecting with new people in a way um I totally want to go further into into fisting um because I still see myself as a beginner although after one year of practice I'm really at a point where I'm quite happy <laughs> by the way a really nice fisting video is going to come up with my just for fans very soon oh <laughs> I'll have to put the link in in the video so they can find you afterwards exactly <laughs> um what kings do I want to endeavor in let me think um I noticed in one of your videos you posted on Instagram it was very much like a beard appreciation video which I've never seen before um but I'm assuming of course there's a kink for like I love a beard but I've never seen a video where it's literally like the tactileness of the beard Yeah so so I actually have two videos of that sort um with two men with fantastic beards and like I do oh, I I, I, I had I, I have beard envy I I can't get that it it doesn't work for me it's just too yeah it's not thick enough Yeah you know it's like a pet on your face you know and if you have two people with pets on their face you can pet a lot Um yeah so I I I contacted those two guys and were like hey let's do let's do a hairy beardy video and uh, they were both up for it and it was super fun it was super fun um and like the nicest thing is like recently i got a a direct message on my just for fans from from a subscriber and he was like hey felbal thank you so much for those beard videos because i'm a pogonophile so he's into hairy things and he really loves this and he wrote a four page fan fiction about me and my hair me at the gym having like sweat rolling through my fur and he asked for more <laughs> more of this he asked for a video where i just rub someone's dick in my beard for like 10 minutes well um after that probably well, there, there there is a niche for that i'm sure if 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 there is a market absolutely and and 
having yes. someone write fan fiction about you that's quite a compliment isn't it yes i like i never in my life felt so flattered i actually was so flattered that i had like an asmr reaction when i read it and a boner um it was very like it it felt so intimate you know having someone write a story about me in the you perspective you know that was really like someone telling me a story well it was someone telling me a story that was that was amazing so you you do a lot of like you you quite a lot on the the gay queer berlin scene how is the sober scene like in berlin i know they do socials i've seen socials in berlin uh, but how how is it gotten better or worse or Ah, um, so last night I was out with someone who is completely sober, and he's only sober because he doesn't like it. <laughs> he also okay. never did it. They do, they do exist. They do exist. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I found this amazing. I told him this makes you so much in, much more interesting even now. Although he's also a super interesting kingster. Um, mm, this is a bit difficult. So, like the fetish social, of course, is also also meant to be a safe space for sober people but there is alcohol involved yeah good thing good thing the gatekeeper for the alcohol is me so i would never give one of the people i know who are sober <laughs> um yeah um i must say i think i have grown more resilient towards towards druggy people like yesterday there was a guy who was definitely on some weird amphetamine at uh, Prinzknecht bar and he like really inappropriately uh, motivated talked with me like and i was like mm. and he was like no fans and i was like no no fans but just like stay calm um you know i would have been terrified or even triggered by such a thing earlier like, in yeah. the past and now it's just like Oof, look at your pupils man you know yeah yeah um so far there is not much sober kink going on i do um I do know people in recovery who are kinky, but they're all on their journey on various points. Mm. Um, just two guys I know are in a relationship together now. Um, so it's, there is no sober or clean and sober kink community yet. Um, but but there is, is, are... is there a, a sober queer community? Oh, yes. There is a very big sober queer community. Yes, they so more or less, more or less uh, saved my life. Um, I, I got into contact with the, the, sober and, the, the sober queer community in 2000 and... Um, oh, wow. A long time, actually. Like, um, I know my tattoo artist for like nine years now. And I knew yeah. that they, they are sober from, from our preference, uh, my preference substance for 25 years, I think. Oh, wow. Um, yes. And they, back then, already, when I was only a high-functional stoner with the, every now and then Matthews, wanted to, to, to show me the, the, the queer uh, AA meetings. Mm. But I was like, I'm not an alcoholic, I don't need that. Um, it took four more years until I had that big relapse, um, yeah. until I finally understood I should do 12-step programs. And then I found, oh, this is a fantastic group. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very big, big community of fantastic queer people of all, of all colors. Um, and uh, I feel very much at home there. Um, and the nice thing about this community is that they're everywhere in Berlin. So I meet them everywhere. So it, it makes living in Berlin feel like living in a village. And I'm grown up in a village. So knowing everyone is sort of like something that I'm used to. And um, yeah, like when I got, when I found the queer fellowship, I, I settled in, in Berlin emotionally. Yeah. It, it was a safe space. It, it like, was a safe space, exactly. Yeah, and, it, and yeah. It, felt more, it felt more like home, I'm assuming. It's like, yes, exactly. I, I found my people. Yeah, no, in my, my first rehab, I was more or less the only gay in the clinic. Uh, in the second rehab, I had my queer group. And when I got out of rehab, I could, 
I was part of the queer uh, sort of community in Berlin, who was a really happy and merry, like we're not a gloomy lot. <laughs> and uh, yeah, like my, oh, that was the tripod. Um, like my closest friends now are in the sober community. Like when, I, when I'm in trouble emotionally, I, I know who to call and I always have someone to talk to. Yeah. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. We are actually fun. starting to get to the end. Um, okay. If anyone has listened to anything you've said or there's something they've connected with or they want to, they're curious about, where can they contact you? Yes, of course. Uh, well, they can contact me here on, on Instagram, first of all, uh, or on my Twitter, which is Fuck Art Berlin, but that's not suitable for work. <laughs> and uh, don't, look, don't look at it at work. No, no, no. Um, yeah, yeah, be careful with that. Yeah, let's, let's, say, let's say Instagram or Twitter. I think that's enough. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm happy to, and happy to. Yeah. Is there anything, if you are either kinky or sober and you're coming to Berlin, is there anything you would recommend in Berlin you would have to experience? Uh, uh, so if you're sober, then definitely come to one of our beautiful meetings, like uh, either on crystalmethanonymous.de or on Google Queer Sober AA Berlin. Mm -hmm. uh, we have almost daily meetings. Um, I think actually we do have daily meetings now, yes. Um, it's a fantastic community, very welcoming, um, very fun. And Kinky, uh, well, definitely come to Berlin Schöneberg. Um, there is uh, New Action, which is so close to my where, where I live now that uh, it, could, it could be my living room. Uh, yeah, as I said, like, there, are, there are still venues that I want to discover myself, like there is, of course, Lab. Um, then there is Quellgeist, which is mm. which is a BDSM community center in a way. Um, there is Böse Buben, which is a, a what is it like? Also like a sex BDSM community center, like a club's home. I have never been there. Um, there is a lot. Like Easter Berlin is coming up, which is yeah, one of the events. Uh, and uh, Folsom is always great, Folsom Europe. Um, and in between, there's always some fun. Yeah, uh, I, I think my impression at least is if you want to meet the locals, don't go to the big events because a lot of the locals will dissipate from the city because they can't really be bothered with all the tourists, which is fair enough. Um, so if you want <laughs> more authentic Berlin, go non-events. If you just want full-on events, Easter, Folsom, and all that is really, really good fun. Um, but you, you probably not meet the locals the same way. But, well, you do meet the locals, but you don't meet them at the big parties. Like, don't no. go to a revolver party because, like, well, go, you can go if you want to, if you want a circuit party. Um, of course, you can go, but, like, at revolver party, no one, or snacks only is for tourists nowadays. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, go to the bars. Like, there are a lot of nice uh, kinky bars here in Schöneberg. Fantastic. Thank you very much for coming on, Hagen. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you for having me. It was, was fantastic. Yes. Have a great weekend, and we'll chat soon. Uh, you as well, and see you soon. Bye. Bye. And that was Hagen uh, from Berlin. Absolutely uh, a pleasure to uh, look at his beard and talk about his uh, baby ventures in Berlin. Uh, I'll be back next week, yet again in Berlin, actually. Um, and everyone have a great weekend and um, stay safe, stay kinky, and stay sober and sleazy. Bye. Bye.